big questions, no answers. See these questions I got on my mind, I'm asking them all the time, time like traveling through the universe, I'm scrambling these black holes, how does time flow? If I dropped in one, where would I go when I come out? A hundred years old, big questions, no answers though. What happens when we dream? Is this world all it seems? I think, therefore I am. All I know is my name is Sam. On the road, child to a man. Do I need a plan? All these questions and more. That's what's in store. Uh, a little bit about me. I am originally from the States. I play hockey. Uh, I love Canada. East That's Coaster. I'm here. I'm an East Coaster. Um, I'm doing a master's right now in uh, in zoology, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess that's just a little little blurb, little blurb, beautiful about me. Easy, yeah, <laughs> uh, great. And you are, like you said, you're doing your masters in mm-hmm. zoology. So I yeah. think today I want to focus a little bit on that, but we'll focus probably go okay. all around everywhere. Okay. Um, fun question to begin. The big question. Okay. If you'd be any animal be any animal at all okay what would it be and why what would it be and why you get to just transplant yourself that's a question that you know i i think i've I've thought about a little bit but never have really just you know pinpointed a certain animal that i would want to be because i have my favorite animals but like okay. i have but in terms of just you know wanting to live their life yeah going like how how you know i think i think a really interesting one would be um honestly a killer whale killer whale nice um i think you know killer uh, you know humans have this perception of killer whales that they're like ferocious like they're Mm. violent they're big but killer whales are socially you know amazing Mm. and you know they are actually very peaceful creatures um, when they're not hunting and you know they're not <laughs> they're not uh they're not doing their things in order to survive right <laughs> but they you know it's it's so interesting because you know you could kill whales they have like different you know groups and like you know families essentially mm. right? and each one has their own way of insanely you know, smart too insanely right? smart yeah. they're always communicating with each other and each group of killer whales no matter what region that you're in if you're in antarctica like killer whales will um hunt by creating waves that um still submerge like seals oh i've seen that yeah it's a crazy video like a seal on a bit of ice yep. right and oh then like they, a, like, yep use their tail to like cord a little tsunami yep. exactly and exactly and that's how they got to get the seals up and then you the have water, like the yeah. you know the resident whales here who you know will actually like hunt you know the killer whales or they'll beach Whoa. themselves so they're all very there's unique. whales that hunt killer whales i didn't huh? know that hmm? there's whales that hunt killer whales no, sorry, other way around. So oh, killer oh. whales, killer whales will hunt like their prey and stuff, okay. but there are also killer whales that will beach themselves in order to get, you know, their prey. Damn. So they're all very unique, and they also are, you know, smart. Smart. They're social, and I think, you know, just getting into a mind of a killer whale, I think mm. that would be, you know, amazing. Honestly. Yeah, and I just, wonder, like, in the future, whether we'll realize that they're like, actually geniuses <laughs> like they could actually like they have their own versions of like maths and physics and yeah, shit. yeah. you seen that i think we looked at a picture of like or there was one circulating on the internet the other day of like a shark 
brain versus mm-hmm. a, I think it was a killer whale. Yeah. And like, it's insane. Like the shark brain looks like a little, like kind of like two mm-hmm. dots basically connected yep. via like a brain stem, like yep. or lizard. And then the fucking the orca is like our brain, like bigger than our brain. Like yeah. the cortex is yeah. mass. And you got to yeah. think like what's going on in there, right? Like, and it's just, and that's why I'm so interested in animal behavior, mm. right? And like I'm doing a master's in zoology and most of it is going to be in animal behavior mm-hmm. because those are the questions that I want to answer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's, you know, in animal behavior, we have these things called unmeasurables, right? Mm-hmm. That you can't. And your lifetime figure out like how an animal works unless you really get into the intricacies of their brain right. without being invasive, right? Right. So there are exceptional like stories like how do animals actually do this? And mm-hmm. those are questions that we just, you know, no matter how much I you know strive to answer those questions, you just can't answer them because you're not them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like just talking about behavior in general, yeah. it's kind of, um, I mean, obviously it's a way to get, into the mind of another being another mm-hmm. entity yeah but like there's a whole lot of shit that goes under the surface before yeah. we act yeah. right so like it's interesting that obviously with animals you kind of have to use behavior because mm-hmm. it's the only thing that's like presenting you can't like yeah. read the mind of an orca exactly right but um yeah that's pretty interesting that we're kind of like forced to like use behavior to kind of build their Mm -hmm. internal network. I wonder if there's a way like (laughs) in the future, there's this guy actually this fucking crazy guy named John Lilly. Have you heard of him? John Lilly. I feel like the name might be a little familiar, but he, he did some research with dolphins. Okay. Um, but also he is the inventor of the sensory deprivation tank. Oh, and so his experiments were, he wanted to communicate with dolphins, mm-hmm. human to dolphin interaction. Yeah. And he did these like incredibly questionable, potentially very unethical experiments. I mean, when you have something called a sensory deprivation, deprivation. Tank, well, well just... this is the thing. Like he's in the sensory deprivation tank. He's oh, so okay. a sensory deprivation right. tank is like a box or like a pod that you get into. It's filled with salt water. Got you. And makes it, makes it so that you're like, basically you're buoyant right if you ever go mm-hmm. in a super salty sea like you're you yeah. float and because you're weightless and mm-hmm. because there's no sounds there's no vision it's like this kind of crazy you know meditative state that mm, so okay. it's become more and more popular now you can even go to places in Vancouver where they have like oh, these sensor okay. deprivation pods and you can book an hour session and anyway so what he would do is dose himself with either acid or ketamine okay and then dose a dolphin with acid or ketamine and try and communicate <laughs> psychically with, with the, the dolphin. dolphin. Oh Isn't my God. that that's, crazy? That's nuts. Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> there's even more crazier ones. Like uh, Radiolab did a great series about like mm-hmm. this uh, other experiment where they built like a room where this woman was literally living with the dolphin. It was like a half submerged room Damn. where she was in there for like, it was an extended period of time, like six weeks, maybe more. Yeah. And she literally, like, was trying to teach this dolphin English. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it sounds absurd, but it's yeah. actually, like, I recommend look at Google that John Lilly John dolphin Lilly? Yeah, that seems, that seems incredibly interesting. I, it's, it's a little bit questionable, but, like, but what you said, like, it's just that's really interesting just how <laughs> how that could work. Right. <laughs> really. Like, 
I don't know. I think you have to be a little bit. I mean, I guess the psychedelics, you could be like, I think I could talk to dolphins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you have to be quite. Uh, that, that thought has to come eccentric. across. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to say the least. But like, yeah. But uh, I wonder if there will be some kind of breakthrough where we'll ever understand like the internal workings the instead internal of using workings of a, behavior. Yeah. Actually look at a mind. And, yeah probably not but i don't i i don't i don't envision that happening i yeah. mean you never know with how technology progresses right, and yeah. how you know as humans as we evolve how our minds think about issues and how we can get to answering questions but yeah. you know I, for me that's something that i it's like sci-fi like yeah mind, mind reading exactly yeah, yeah. and it, mind reading for another animal yeah yeah and, and that right yeah. you know mind reading we were trying to do mind reading for humans right that's mm. But to do it for another animal, that's just, you know. So would you say, okay, hypothetical, this technology, though, does get invented, this mind-reading technology, okay. but it only works for animals. Yeah. Would you use it for your orcas or would you use it for another species? I would use it for the, I'll, I'll kind of group animals, animals that are known to be very, very social. Mm-hmm. So I would want to know, because each, 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 each group of animals, whether it's, you're talking about elephants, you're talking about dolphins, you're talking about wolves, mm. they'll all have the little intricacies and in, uh, how they interact socially. But that's what I would be really, really very interested in first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, once you kind of discover, like, you know, why and how exactly all these groups of animals are being social, then I would want to see if you could apply that technology if it were available, right? Mm two other species that we may not know to be social but they are social Mm, and we just can't detect that because their behaviors just are like rudimentary or rudimentary right yeah or it's just that you know a lot of it is just a different form of communication that we just can't detect Mm. right so cool yeah that's i mean that's where i would go with, with with that Again, I don't see the technology. Yeah. <laughs> technology. Just take some ketamine, Gang. some acid. Take, take, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll, get, that, that'll get you there. That'll, <laughs> that'll get, get you, you there. <laughs> I mean, it might. Uh, cool, yeah. Uh, do you want to give the people a little rundown of your specific master's project? So, yeah. So, my master's project is looking at uh, how diversified agricultural systems, so agricultural systems that are not just monocultures where you just have one crop right. that is throughout the whole, you know, like a big landscape. ass field of wheat, big or ass corn field of just or... like wheat or like corn. Just it's more of like you have inter, you know, you have crops that are interspersed with each other temporally. So you have one crop at one part of the year, one crop at another mm-hmm. time of the year, and then they're surrounded by natural landscapes too. So they could be surrounded by forests. Uh, grasslands and actually a lot of the farms in vancouver they've been implementing putting hedgerows um hmm. which are huge like hedges you know, hedges yeah um that allow native bee species and native pollinators to interact Ooh. with the farmland um and a lot of research in our lab is looking at the effects of that cool. um and how it can be translatable to you know agricultural in the future hmm. but back getting back to my master's project i'm looking at how these diversified agricultural systems are affecting mammal movement and connectivity mm-hmm. um, because it's, you know, we've, you know, with all the climate crisis uh, and all climate change that's been happening, we've kind of set this target to have 30% of the earth protected. So like have these protected areas, hmm. 
but you have these protected areas and then you have the land outside of it and if that land outside of it is not you know conducive to animal movement or mm. conducive to the animals you know those protected areas will become more and more and more isolated so that the species will also you know the species will still lose and you know suffer and not be right. as you know as prominent as you want them to be <laughs> right so you're saying like it's all well and good to have these protected areas but if there's if they're separated by mm -hmm. lots of land that it's hard for animals to like navigate exactly get through then it, it exactly. doesn't really and it uses your populations won't persist you know there won't be gene flow where you have different variety of mm. animals and different traits coming into different populations Got it. and it's 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 connectivity has been becoming a prominent issue in the past let's say 10 years 10 mm. 15 years um there's been you know so many technological advancements too and theoretical advancements mm. in it. but yeah that's i'm applying this you know this framework and trying to evaluate how these agricultural areas are affecting connectivity in europe right um all over europe all over europe so i mean we're not going to be not like well certain areas in europe okay yeah like mainly like do you know countries um right i mean i i just got this huge data set so mm -hmm. like i have to kind of parse through it and figure out like which areas make sense based on the movement data that i've acquired mm. um so, so you have to like pick specific regions pick specific regions that uh. will kind of you know it has you know diversified agricultural systems it has natural systems it has urban landscapes so you get a whole like um I'm trying to find complete the word. picture complete picture exactly yeah, you okay. don't want to have an area that's just one it has to be generalizable just, it has exactly yeah okay. right interesting yeah very cool and you're doing a lot of like i said just compute like it's computer a analysis. lot of computing yeah. um because with covid and everything i won't be able to actually go to you know europe and mm -hmm. collect field data and kind of ground truth what i'm doing but i've gotten all this movement data that um it's gonna you know supply my research and um i'll use that to actually like make these connectivity models that kind of predict where these species are moving and how we use the word permeable so how mm. easy it's basically how easy the landscape is for an animal to move through gotcha cool yeah. and so like long term like the creation of these connectivity models mm -hmm. cool, are going to be used to like are they going to be used to like map out future like protected areas like how yeah. landscape should yeah. be yeah i mean that's 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 the goal okay. so the goal of is to the goal is to you know use this to better inform governments also of where they can start restoring habitats mm. too mm. um because they have these protected areas which are already like you know those those are pristine conditions for animals or relatively pristine conditions right. for animals but then you have the areas that are in between and you know the the connectivity models that will produce it predicts certain areas where you have pinch points in the landscape mm. where there are many animals that are moving through a narrow part of the landscape so those are areas that we could target and kind of be like how can we make this so that animals aren't forced to go through these pinch points hmm. um animals will still may go through based on the characteristics of the animals themselves because for example elephants right elephants are known to go on our 
has very specific routes mm. to their watering holes when they're traveling in the dry season, right? Mm. And in that, you'll have groups of elephants that will go through one passage more often than, let's say, other passages. Right. Um, but when it's when you're kind of like when they interfere with, um, you know, urban landscapes, right? You want to find those areas that you can kind of figure out, you know, you know where. Try to find. Try to try to find. Oh yeah, I think you're putting it well. Basically, yeah. you're saying, like, what's the quickest and most efficient way to like have mo- the most amount of benefit for mm-hmm. animals moving through. So exactly. you're saying, like, like you said, if oh look, yeah. like 19 different families of elephants use this mm-hmm. paw to get through, and it's getting yeah. congested or yeah. whatever, it's too uh, yeah. too high of a yeah. resistance <laughs> to use yeah. your lingo. Yep then okay that'd be an area to like look at resources and okay what can we do exactly. to the surrounding and how can we change the landscape and you know restore this landscape so that it 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 um it allows the landscape to be more permeable permeable to to these animals awesome right? and it's all every animal every kind of animal or is it specific animals? specific animals because each okay. animal will move to the landscape differently so okay. you'll have you'll have different connectivity models for each species so mm. i'm going to be looking at three species so red deer roe deer and wild boars and each one of them have different behaviors and how they actually utilize the landscape to move right so each one will have its own model because they're using the landscape differently and we can predict like you know based on because wild boars for example are very generalist species so Mm. they'll use most landscapes to go through even human dominated landscapes whereas roe deer or red deer will typically stick to grasslands and forests Mm. so it's really interesting because you know that's why this type, this type, these diversified agricultural systems come into play because they can act as like um, temporary spot, temporary um, spots or places for animals to move as they're moving from one you know area to another, hmm. right? Yeah. So awesome. they're, they're kind of like stopovers, I guess. I'm trying. Mm. There's there's another word for them that I'm just I can't you know I can't figure it out right mm-hmm. now, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why it's really important to kind of we're we're evaluating whether these diversified agricultural systems actually affect the movement and connectivity because then we can, you know, f- you know, scaling this larger, mm. right? We can apply this to policy, right? Right, yeah. and apply it so that in the future our agricultural systems are not just these large large monocultures, mm-hmm. but these diversified systems that still produce the same yield. Mm-hmm. and product productivity as you know these monocultures but also benefit biodiversity mm. right that's huge it's a huge it's it's ground i mean the the person that i'm working for dr claire kremen she's amazing in, in the sense that this is groundbreak this is really groundbreaking research if we can show that you know if we change our agricultural systems we can you know provide for ourselves and also benefit biodiversity yeah yeah right? it's not just like a yeah a zero-sum game as it were right like like a zero-sum game is a game where there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser like Mm -hmm. there's a big piece of pie or there's Mm -hmm. a pie and you can only have Mm -hmm. like if i have a big slice then you're getting a smaller slice Mm -hmm. and i think that we were like conditioned to kind of look at the world like that like humans Mm -hmm. are you know we're good at exploiting and we're good at like taking shit especially from the environment where the cost Mm -hmm. to us seems either not there or like this long-term thing that we don't mm-hmm. really you know doesn't really feel like it's yeah. impending doom even though it is yeah 
So that's really cool that that's like kind of on the road to like creating an actual yeah. sustainable yeah like it's, source it's, of it's, agriculture. It's huge for sustainability. Yeah, it's huge for sustainability, and you know, I you know, in in in, in the process of trying to figure out what I want to do in my career, and like I always wanted to do animal behavior, but you know, there's 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 a question that my aunts actually you know asked me like why should I care about the behavior of an animal and how is it actually going to apply to humans? And, mm. you know, it's a very good question because, you know, that's a question that still has got me stuck to this day. Mm. And I know a lot of fellow researchers that I, I know, you know, have also struggled with that question. But now that I'm applying this, because we're characterizing how animals are moving, which in and of itself is animal behavior, and applying this to sustainable agricultural systems, now I can see that actual connection and how those mm. two can be related to really change to really change the world. Yeah, right. right? I mean, right there, you have it. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think it's hard. Uh, it's always hard when someone asks you, "Why should I care?" Right? Yeah, because like, one, it sounds aggressive. You're like, "Yeah, you yeah. should care." And <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to come back to my. I'm like, "You should care," but like. She's going to ask me, like, why? Right. And keep asking, like, you know, it's like a kid, you know, when they're mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to discover, like, well, yeah. why this? Like, well, why should I care about that? Why, why, why should, should I? Why? Yeah. Right, right. Right. And it's 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 frustrating mm-hmm. as researchers because we're also trying to be as communicable as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing about that because, you know, it's great that we know this stuff, but how are we going to let everybody else know about this? Right. I think, like, your, your role as a researcher is weird, right? Because... Mm-hmm. It's almost like you need, uh, it's like how Carl Sagan or um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is for astronomy. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess we had like Bill Nye or like, you know, we, but there's not really, or like Greta Thunberg or whatever. Yeah. Any. But like, I don't know if there's necessarily the same kind of like just public educator role, like translating all this stuff that's mm-hmm. happening like in universities. Yep. That's like very high level science yep. and, you know, a lot of PhDs and mm-hmm. education needed to really understand it yeah but you need a way to distill it to people yeah. right like again you're on why should i care yeah and exactly if it means like <laughs> ultimately like we're probably gonna hopefully avoid <laughs> massive environmental collapse that i think like that's a pretty good reason that's a pretty, that's, <laughs> that's why i mean that's care. a pretty good reason but at the same time you know uh <laughs> you, you you always felt you always met with backlash right yeah. and of course and you know that's where <laughs> This, this disconnect between science and politics comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Because politics, you know, politi- politi- po- politicians have their own goals and they have their own, you know, yeah. And just that this that disconnect is what we're really feeling right now where we're not, like, <laughs> implementing more sustainable practices than we are right now. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's tough. I'm... It's hard to make people care. It's, it's, like yeah. you can give a case as much as you want, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if you like. We're pretty uh, basic creatures, you know. We mm-hmm. feel like the human mind. The more I think about it, like obviously we're incredibly complex, mm-hmm. but like what grabs our attention is like mm-hmm. it's still is what is it in advertising? Sex sells, yeah. and then yeah. you know, food, yeah. bright colors, <laughs> we're fast movement. Humans are like that, you know? guilty of just wanting instant gratitude. Right, right, right. And if we, we've talked about that with Caleb, right? And Caleb has his thoughts of like, if we had our, you know, mindset differently where we didn't care about just instant gratification mm-hmm. and like the long-term goals, our world would be so much different right. than what it is right now. Yeah, yeah. Right? And the same thing applies to climate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we want these instant, you know, gratifications and like, 
but you know it's climate there's a reason there's a difference between climate and weather mm. and there's pe- politicians who don't understand the difference which always gets me riled up but like <laughs> <laughs> climate is long term right 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 yeah so yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, that's something I've talked about definitely a bunch of times on here. But like the, yeah, like you said, just the the disconnect is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable between like what we should care about and what we do care about. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes there's an overlap, obviously, but mm-hmm. like you said, that short term, long term interest, like yeah. And there's no way I've been uh, again. I've thought about this a bunch. Other than like, I think one day with fucking. Elon Musk's Neuralink <laughs> or yeah. acid and ketamine that's acid allowed us ketamine. to talk to uh, <laughs> <laughs> dolphins and they give us the secret knowledge. Like, there's no way to actually uh, do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult because those are like preformed evolutionary yeah. ingrained that, like, you are that before yeah. anything else, right? Short term yeah. gain. Like, mm-hmm. It's very hard to, you have to be in a place of kind of comfort already where like your base needs are met and then you can start to think about the long-term mm-hmm. shit right like yep. and that's just not the reality for yeah. most people most people are they have to deal with the short term yeah right like yeah um yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. okay what is a characteristic that you look for in other people characteristic that i look for in other people that's a good question mm. that's, a, that's a very good question because i've had you know there's there's been people who have been you know kind of fake and like mm. just there's not as much much honesty on the surface as there should be mm. so i always look for just if people can be honest with me even if mm. it's just you know good honesty and like if you if it can be like even if you have to be direct with me i rather have that than to be someone lying to me and kind of been going mm-hmm. going behind my back because I've been hurt, you know, that's that's hurt a lot. So for someone who could just be honest with me and just open with me, I you know I I love that. No matter how, no matter what other characteristics the other mm. the other the other person has. Mm. Right? Yeah, I think so. that yeah I think that's I would say the same thing. <laughs> I feel like above all, like as long as you're real, as long as you're yeah yeah be yeah. real. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird, I don't know, I uh, I like to think that everybody has, like, a realness to them. Mm-hmm. But then again, there are probably a lot of people that have just, I don't know, based their, their personality or their identity around shit they see in TV and, mm-hmm. yep. you know, social media and, yep. like, that's there's people weird. who do, just who, feel empty there's, you're there's, talking to them and you're just like, exactly and there's you got people nothing in there yeah exactly <laughs> like <laughs> what like they get too encompassed like in, in into that right, right. that's and, superficial and they get very superficial i just i don't i just i don't fuck with people like that yeah and yeah you should people shouldn't have to fuck with people like that yeah like do you think there's a way to make people genuine Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> one. That's an interesting one. I is there a way for to make people genuine? I think people have inherent good, you know, goodness in them, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you can you can always bring that on in people. But for some people, it's just it it's it's much harder than others. Um, I think for me, there's there's people have the ability to change. 
and I've seen that ability in people to change, but mm-hmm. there's other people who, no matter how much you try to be real with them and, you know, and try to bring out their genuine side, mm-hmm. it's just, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be, you know, a pessimistic or, you know, cynical view, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I've, I think it's, it's sometimes tough to kind of bring out, you know, mm. to bring out uh, the real, the real, the real side yeah. of people. Um, and that just might be, you know, different personalities. So people right. are, you know, much more comfortable with other people than, you know, yeah. than extroverts, introverts. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they hold in the feelings or like they, they're not good. They, they're not going to like, be as open as like me <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know tell people like my emotions and and, mm. and everything but you know yeah i guess yeah i think it's hard when you are someone that is open and like mm-hmm. is maybe even naturally open and i obviously like natural is always a weird word because like okay what's well, that what is natural like you mm-hmm. learn that behavior from like your parents and yeah your environment blah 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 yeah but it, I'm saying, anyway, you you have this quality in you for whatever reason that makes you want to, like, share your genuine feelings with mm-hmm. people. And yep. it's hard when you come across people that don't because it's, like, it's almost like you can't really... Because I'm kind of speaking for you, but I'm speaking as someone. <laughs> I think also I want... I try to be as real as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to share my internal... Yeah. Obviously, I have a fucking podcast. I can't keep my mouth shut. So, like, <laughs> there's perfect example. But um, it's hard for me because I, I can't see where you're, the other person's coming from. Like, mm. if they're not willing to be open with me. Yeah. Even, like, and I know it's hard for people, like like I said, it's harder for some people to open up mm-hmm. than others. And that's nothing against them. It's just, like, right. you know, it just you interact with people differently and you connect with people much differently than... right than other people what what's i've found is a common thread though for people who are like real mm-hmm. is people that have like gone through some adversity some mm-hmm. like challenge or some like real life shit you know death sickness yep. like something that's humbled you yep. some experience mm-hmm. and i don't know if i think that's like my common that's my current theory on how it to become a genuine that's how to become a real so if you're if you uh i i can yeah that's true what's weird though is like there's obviously people that have gone through hard shit Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason come off as yeah you know superficial or don't care or like yeah but and that might just be also them repressing their feelings and how mm, they should be feeling right mm. and they just haven't been you know they can't be like that or gain that humbleness i guess from going through a situation Maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe just like, yeah, yeah. They're almost afraid to open the floodgates. Exactly. Of like, yeah. oh fuck! Like if I start like, yeah, opening up about this and all this other shit, yeah. gonna come. <laughs> and like it, that is what happens, right? But yeah, um, but that's also so important. Mm. You need you need that, right? Um, right. Which is why I'm you know I'm I'm always so open to people. Mm. Sometimes more open than I should be, but (laughs) (laughs) especially when you meet someone for the first time and you are more open than you should be. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta separate this out. I gotta rein this in a little bit because I've been guilty of that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a weird balance to strike. It's a weird With balance. new people, it's a weird one. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, sometimes you can get a vibe from someone where they're like, I'm just going to tell this person, like, uh, you know. My deepest, darkest my- secrets. <laughs> 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 yeah, and some people respond and some people don't, right? Exactly. But I guess yeah. that comes down to what we're talking about. But yeah. Yeah, I wonder how it would, like, break down, like, population-wise. Mm-hmm. It, would it be, like, 50-50? Like, are people, like, you know? That's oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if it would be fi- it would if it would yeah, be 50, or if it's 50. just distributed like a big bell curve. You know, like some people <laughs> are super super open. Yeah, it's not some people are not open at all, and then most yeah. people are somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I guess that's probably what it would be. I feel like I ask that question all the time, and that's <laughs> always the answer. I that's that's, so that's I always the answer. That question. I don't know. This may be you know the, the pessimistic side of something coming out of me, but I feel like it would be more towards people who aren't open mm, mm, maybe yeah i think that's where a lot of problems then come, arise because there mm. <laughs> there's a lot of problems that arise from just not Stealing. saying what you actually want to say right yeah yeah 100%. um so that's i mean i guess that's my view so i i i, I do agree with the bell curve but it might be like skewed mm. like a skewed wow, like a science skewed curve. <laughs> <laughs> look at you <laughs> mr master student uh yeah that's um that's cool that's interesting mm-hmm. thank you for that but uh, like do you think you have to learn like you obviously need quite a lot of communication skills mm-hmm. you don't need you know to verbalize yeah feelings and stuff if you've never like taught or like yeah had an example in your life of yeah. someone that did yeah. that and you're all very i mean i'm english so <laughs> i come from a bland of repressed emotion <laughs> let me tell you but like my family has always been pretty well, I mean, I'm, I'm Indian too, so like yeah, that's yeah. that's that's another that's also <laughs> totally. a lot of repressed emotion in that in that culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, most most I think most cultures have it. Yeah, indeed. Well, some some probably more so than others. I yeah. think England is a particular one, just because like the whole like stiff up a lip and keep calm and carry mm-hmm. on and how it's yep. just like written into you to just like mm-hmm. grin and bear it and just like shove the feelings down and just. I actually tea. didn't. I didn't know that. I actually oh, yeah. didn't know that English. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I can see, mm-hmm. I can see it for sure. But I actually didn't know like that's kind of like what you've been instilled. Definitely a stereotype, into you. like cultural, like cultural stereotype. theme. Yeah, you know, of England. Yeah, like it's changing now, but like definitely, yeah, like America seems like this more like loud, outspoken. Mm-hmm. You know, you I know, mean that's that's such social the attraction. Cus- yeah, cousin, yeah. and then. Yep. England's kind of this reserved, like, you know, older brother who's, just, yeah, drinking his <laughs> tea and shoving his emotions down. But it's, yeah, I think, yeah, it, obviously, it depends a lot on who you're imprinting on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how your exactly. parents raised you yeah. and the coping mechanisms of shit that they yeah. kind of instill and put on you. Exactly, exactly. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up with, you know, my, I, I, you know, I love my parents and, you know, being able to be open with them as opposed to like some of the other, some of the other, other people that I know, mm-hmm. but like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that you have to, it's, it's definitely taught mm-hmm. yeah um, as you're growing up and how you can be like open and mm. communicate with somebody. But. Yeah. Man, there's only a way to like. It's just hard to change people's behavior. It's hard it to change. Hard. It's very hard <laughs> over like you, you can... know big population like yeah. that. Like yeah, it's just it's 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 something that we can't really achieve. No, right? <laughs> we'll never be able to achieve that because everybody's you know each human is unique. 
each, yeah each everybody has their own unique upbringing mm-hmm. even if you have like twins right each mm. twin is gonna have a unique upbringing no matter how similar they are right to right. each other yeah right that nature so, nurture that nature yeah, yeah exactly nature yeah. nurture but yeah i it's weird like we it's almost like we like do we can influence behavior on a mass scale but like only without us knowing it (laughs) like shit like you know the internet comes along or like phones and social media and like we're just suddenly everyone's addicted to this thing Mm -hmm. and like we're all doing it and yeah it's completely altered our behavior but like we didn't really like realize yeah and then you and then we're talking about this now right but like you know when all that stuff was coming out we didn't realize it then we're realizing it much much later yeah and then of course there's going to be like tons of shit to come where like yeah no one knows what the next TikTok is. No one knows what the next Apple's going to be, right? Yeah. It's going to be like a... It's fascinating. I don't know. I like like to take that big picture view of humanity every now and again. Mm-hmm. Just be like, we are fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we are fucking crazy. Like, as a species, too. As like, a, uh, it's... Uh, we've... Oh, my God. We've done some crazy... We've done great things. Yeah. How do you, like, from that, <laughs> like, environmental or, like... Because mm-hmm. you're working a lot with animals. Do you... Mm-hmm. Has your... Uh, perspective on like what humans are changed like do you think we're like a i love i've heard this mm-hmm. kind of misanthropic yeah. uh, view a lot of like humans are a disease humans are a virus we are like you know we've we're a parasite like mm-hmm. what do you do you think we're like just a benevolent force do you think we're just uh, I, yeah what are your i definitely don't share that misanthropic mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. um I don't think humans are parasites. I think we've we have a purpose in the world. We've done great things and mm. great good things and great bad things, mm. right? right. It, great doesn't always have to mean good, right? Right. right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think you know I'm I'm very optimistic and I see humans as a kind of a benevolent, you know, mm. being. I don't know. It's a it's it's a tough question because I feel like you know humans are inherently inherently you know good then they should be good but we have been like like okay like you say humans are inherently good and i think i agree but i also don't you know well, uh, my, I mean, my, my mind's not made up i'm, on I'm that also one. i'm also just spewing stuff at this point because it's a question <laughs> it's, it's welcome it's to a, the club it's, <laughs> it's it's a question that like i need to think about you know for more much longer before i can actually come up with a, a coherent like answer yeah <laughs> right? i know i like to fly by the seat i know i know you, you like to you like to get that <laughs> out of your out of your guests yeah. but like that's it's tough i, I feel like you no know, now that i'm thinking about it yeah humans it's it's tough to say whether humans are inherently good or inherently bad right um but it's an age-old question. It's it's an age-old question. I don't think we'll question, answer it man. here, but we can try. Yeah, we can we can always try. <laughs> can always try. But I think I kind of fall like going back to like misanthropic and like benevolent. I kind of fall like in the middle, mm-hmm. like believed in the middle of that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've I've landed on humans. We each have the capacity for ultimate evil and, and ultimate, ultimate good. good. And for sure. For sure. Depending on what happens in your life and even where you are in your life, Mm -hmm. good people do bad things, bad people do good things. Yep. And it's a weird hodgepodge, but Mm -hmm. we like to 
I mean, I've been doing it all day with you because <laughs> I like having categories. I need an answer. Mm-hmm. I need yep. definition and yep. I need like good, bad, mm-hmm. how much of the population is this, right? I'm like yep. constraining <laughs> us. Yeah. Whereas in reality, it's like very difficult to boil down a human. Oh, exactly. Right? Like yeah. we're constantly yeah. like, we're constantly guessing about other people's motivations Mm -hmm. why did gorov do this why did Mm -hmm. you know sarov say that to me oh because probably because he like did that and like was kind of mad at me because i did this and Mm -hmm. you're making it up you have no fucking idea you have no access (laughs) again it's like the dolphins the 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 whales (laughs) right you have no view you can't see the internal workings of their you can't see the internal work of another human yeah that's 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 impossible you're we're not gonna be but we're like I don't know. There's a there's a tendency to like to do that, right? Like we're mm-hmm. again, we're constantly assuming we know why people are acting the way they're acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I agree. I don't think that humanity is like a cancer, or like a parasite. No. No. I feel like we're like a five year old, yeah, in, that has as, as just a, gotten the keys to like a brand new Mercedes, yep. and we're just like flooring it, as and a, we have no as, idea as, what we're doing. As, I was just gonna say, as a collective as humans as a whole we are not very structured Mm -hmm. right right and that's where a lot of problems come into play right if we were like more structured Mm. (laughs) right we you know a lot of the issues that we've been having now probably wouldn't be Mm. wouldn't be wouldn't be happening to the degree that they're happening you mean structured as in like a world government type thing like a top-down like control of everything not really i I don't think that's where i was going with that what what do you mean by it's more structured um like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) getting you today dude yeah you are god (laughs) well i don't know i think like like there's a benefit in humans mm -hmm. like you mentioned we're all Mm -hmm. unique yeah souls entities traveling through this time space continuum Mm -hmm. um and there's a benefit to just the chaos that that yeah. brings, right? Because, yeah. again, it's the unexpected. It's mm-hmm. why TikTok is huge, why yeah. podcasts are a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we did institute some kind of order structure, like you were saying, yeah, at some level, or if people were more rational, you know, more, then, yeah, yeah maybe the world would, wouldn't be on fire, but yeah. maybe we wouldn't have art or yeah. music the way we do now yeah. or you know that's true i guess it's 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 a balance right it's always a balance yeah um, yeah so that's what i've come to realize now or mm-hmm. in my wisdom of my <laughs> fucking 23 years <laughs> on this planet yeah. Ugh. um no but like i i don't know i just have thought about humans i don't know i feel like i haven't really thought about morality very much but mm-hmm. it seems to be a thing that we're kind of obsessed with mm-hmm. right good and bad yep. right and wrong and it just comes down to the fact that, like, I think every, yeah, again, like I said, every single person is capable of evil, mm-hmm. capable yeah. of good. It just yeah. depends on the scenario they're placed in. Yeah. Kind of what they're forced to. And maybe there's also, you know, predetermined, like, end ranges. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're getting, you can only be so evil or you can only be so good. Yeah. And there are some people with natural propensity to be mm-hmm. super evil or yep. super good or yep. whatever. Um. Okay, shifting the conversation entirely. <laughs> Have you ever had a recurring dream? A recurring dream. Yeah, like a dream that 
over and over again. Over and over again. The same kind of themes. I don't, I don't, I don't discuss my dreams as like in depth as maybe you guys do, but like one thing that I now that I'm thinking about a lot more, I do have recurring three like dreams. Mm-hmm. I just can't describe like I just can't describe them. Like I, I'll hmm. I'll be sleeping and I'll go into I'll go into a dream and it's 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 an environment that I've been in before and it's kinda of like the same story that I've been in before. Hmm. But as soon as I wake up, like I just can't remember. Don't remember. I just can't remember the de- like all the details. But then when I get back into my dream, it's just like, you know, I remember this from like a dream when right. I was like, it's like a deja I, vu. It's like a it's a deja vu. It's a very deja vu. Mm. Deja vu esque. Right? But you never remember the content after you wake up. I can't remember the content. Wow. I I, you know, I just thinking about this now. Like I can think of, you know, I know I've had dreams where you know, a year goes by and I have this same, like same environment, different story, but like, it's the same, say same people. Right. And just like, you know, I just can't remember most of the details and maybe mm. that I should be doing like dream journaling. Cause I, <laughs> I, I want to know <laughs> like you never, like the most common ones I can think of are like being chased, being chased. or, uh, flying and then realizing the whole way through <laughs> that you can't fly and then yeah. you like plummet to your death. Yeah. That's a common one. I know uh, I have teeth falling out. Have you ever had that one? I actually have. I have that one is. I haven't. Weird. Wait, I want to um, share something with you and the audience really yeah. quick. My mom sent me this. Uh, shout out to my mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she sent me this book of uh, cards that are like it's called Ooh. the Dream Decoder. Ooh, sixty cards <laughs> to unlock your consciousness. Sorry, your unconsciousness. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool, and like each one is basically like a dream like i've been saying that have yeah. these like fundamental themes yeah um and they have like cool art on them mm-hmm. and they have a little blurb yeah. about like what the dream okay. means yeah so i had this i had a couple well recurring dream that i really like that freaked me out the most mm-hmm. was dreams where my teeth are falling out teeth are falling out okay second year i had like a a rash of maybe like a weaker Maybe even a month yeah. of this dream where I would be in just like weird scenarios with like mm-hmm. random ass people, classic yep. dream shit. Yep. And then I would like go into a bathroom or start looking in mm-hmm. the mirror and then I would like start to wiggle a tooth, you know, with my tongue. I'd be like, oh, that's weird. Huh. It's kind of loose. Yeah. And then I like start to wiggle it more and more and more yeah. and then it like comes out and then one comes out and then two comes out. I don't know. I'm just like holding like six teeth. Oh, yeah. And it feels like yeah. I'm like. My mouth's full of like loose teeth, like little rocks almost. Damn. And I wake up, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like it really felt like I lost my teeth. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, I've always heard this is like stress, but mm-hmm. okay, but this is what the dream encoder decoder okay. said. Decoder. <laughs> teeth falling out may suggest a fear of aging or feeling unattractive or unappealing in some way. It can also symbolize fear of losing something or someone important to your emotional or material survival." After all, without teeth, you can't eat and nourish yourself. The Tooth Fairy Association links this dream with money as well, since there may be a reference to financial concerns. Teeth are symbols of viability, power, and sometimes this dream might suggest you're feeling neglected, frustrated, overlooked, or inferior in some way. Hmm. Maybe there are basic actions you ought or want to take, but you can't because you're ill-equipped. 
It could be that this disturbing dream scenario wants to shock you into having more belief in yourself and being more assertive. It's also worth noting that in Chinese tradition, teeth crumbling or falling out is associated with telling lies or not being true to yourself. Mm. And like that definitely kind of hit a struck a chord because (laughs) I can definitely think back to that time in my life. And like there was a lot of uncertainty, Mm -hmm. like like my dad had just lost his job and there was like a, I don't know, I was... I think we all have these struggles with your like self image and mm-hmm. oh I I'm knowing me const- const- <laughs> constantly right constantly. And yeah yeah so <laughs> it kind of feels good weirdly to have like that yeah. codified like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this code with me now because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a reminder of, I like that though I like that the the dream yeah it's, it's pretty it's, interesting it's really and interesting. like it really has like every kind of yeah like any kind of dream you can think of because yeah. the, the the dreams just kind of thinking back to my answer my initial answer like the dreams that i have when i'm in my like normal sleep i'll i won't remember them usually mm. but then i get into this thing where like i'm pretty lazy when i wake up so i'll wake up you know get my phone go back into bed mm. like most people yeah like most people do nowadays Classic. right and then I'll fall back to sleep. And then when I fall back to sleep, even in that like half an hour, like maybe maybe an hour that I sleep, that's when I get really hyper realistic dreams. Because when I wake, and like I, <laughs> are you, what are you? Okay? Yeah, no. So I'll, so I'll get in. I'll get into these like hyper realistic dreams. Okay. Where like, um, if I'm thinking about, you know, a girl. If I'm thinking about something that you know, like happened to me recently in terms of like family and stuff then mm-hmm. i'll imagine these scenarios which could very well happen but i know they're fake but they just scare the death like scared the living shit out of me wow yeah <laughs> which is it's 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 scary because it's scary that your mind can actually i don't know how dreams are actually produced mm-hmm. and you know that's something that we've you know scientists have been trying to figure out but right. it's, it's crazy that your mind can actually produce those scenarios in your head i right? scare you i know right it's fucking weird. and i think about that and I, and I wake up and i'm like did that actually happen did yeah. i actually do that i'm like okay no, no, no i gotta calm myself down i didn't do it yeah right and yeah. it didn't happen but then i you know those are the weirdest where you wake up and you're just like wait do i have teeth yeah like did i murder did that I, person I, <laughs> is my sister alive like all these yeah. things right there it's like yeah fascinating i think like and you can get like woo woo i know this is kind of woo woo this dream decoder shit but like yeah i think we've been that's probably one of the most common uh, like forays or like Mm -hmm. uh, you know examinations of like consciousness has been dream interpretation right like for millennia every that as long as humans have been alive people have been you know decoding dreams and understanding trying to understand where they come from Mm -hmm. And it is fascinating. It does seem to like obviously play a role in like what what you've been thinking about recently. What's I remember like I had this dream. I was reading um, mm-hmm. this article about octopuses. <laughs> yeah. And then I had like, a dream where, you know, a giant octopus attacked San Francisco. <laughs> so it's obviously like it does play on like whatever does, is in your head. And whatever like, happened to you that day. Because yeah. I'll ha- definitely have those dreams. Whenever you guys force me to watch horror movies, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, those scenarios will pop back up in my head. So fuck you guys for that. <laughs> uh, but you need no, some, but like, that's okay. I, you need some themes. You, I, know? you need exa- some like dark Exactly. <laughs> devilish themes in your head. Like, no, exactly, and like act you out. know, 
and it makes it makes sense like if something happens to you that day then you know it, more often than not it pops into your dreams mm, yeah right? I, I i've thought about this i wonder if it's like a almost like a kind of um like an inoculation like like a simulation mm. you know like a like oh you've been thinking about this what i'm gonna show you like what you would be like if this did actually happen yeah. right like if you've been anxious about you yeah. know whatever something happening bad yeah. and then you're literally in a scenario now where it's not real but it feels real yeah it's like i wonder if your brain if something happens to you that they kind of stores that is like a temporary thing mm. right your brain because you like your brain you know we have long-term memory short-term memory mm -hmm. our brain is known to store memories in the other you know different regions of our brain right i wonder if it's the same thing for dreams mm. i wonder if something happens to you it's kind of a region that like produces the region of your brain that kind of plays parts in producing dreams right. kind of stores it mm -hmm. it happens to you in your night and then it goes away mm, yeah yeah That's and then you have like in terms of like short-term long-term memory you like have short-term long-term dreams where you have the reoccurrence of those right dreams of like yeah those, those you know those themes of like your teeth falling mm -hmm. out you're being chased mm -hmm. somebody's scaring you right? yeah yeah i wonder yeah that's it, really well probably right because like otherwise you wouldn't have that feeling of of deja vu of exactly. like oh fuck like yeah. i don't in my co normal conscious life, I completely forget that this is even a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm in, back in the dream world yeah. and I'm like, oh, I've been here before. Like, I know that feeling like yeah. as well. Sometimes I think they're just so surreal and so mm -hmm. like anti, you know, they just don't mesh with actual reality. So mm -hmm. that's why they're so impossible to kind of mm -hmm. grab onto, you know, they're yep. like a like a butterfly or like, I don't know, something like fly, floating away, mm -hmm. a balloon, right? And you're trying to grab yep. the balloon and it's like, no, yep. it's gone. Yep. Oh, fuck. Yep. Um, yeah, I've been having, yeah, lots of thoughts about dreams. I haven't really had any crazy dreams like that too recently. I haven't had crazy dreams like that either. It's just, it, it, it happens to me more often when I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm tired, I mm -hmm. wake up. Like, I'll have my dreams then, but I don't remember them. Then I'll, like, get my phone, go back to sleep, and have those dreams. And those are the dreams I really do, like, mm, remember. Really do remember, and it just it sticks with me. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And those are usually what? Like, a bad, bad event happening, or like. But it's usually pretty dark. Like, a murder. Or <laughs> yeah. A family member. Family died. member passing away, yeah. me losing someone I really, really care about in my life. Uh. You know, it's. Yeah. And it's. It, it's the, the reason why it scares me so much is because. Not that I know that I'm I'm gonna, well, part of me is like, you know, it could very well happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the scenario that I build up in my head, I think, is it, it's very, very, very realistic where it could possibly happen. Of course. Yeah. So that's that's I mean that's where the the the, the fear of those dreams come in mm. come into play, right? Yeah. And that's why I was saying like I wonder if it's like, your brain being like you know, like you said maybe you've experienced that in real life and so then your brain's like shit yeah. yeah like that could happen at any moment exactly so i'm gonna prepare this guy <laughs> and like make him go exactly. through it right exactly and, yeah yeah i mean I, I i think about that too like mm -hmm. you know i've gone through i've gone through shit yeah you know and i sometimes those dreams of you know that happening again mm -hmm. happens yeah. and i'm like okay that just it's like a reminder right yeah 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 that's fascinating i i I wonder, do you think there's um this guy Carl Jung? You know Carl, Carl Jung? Carl Jung, I know. Yeah. We were talking about, I think we were talking about him the 
the other day. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think we were watching something and his name popped up, and mm-hmm. Julia was asking like, "Who who's, or like who's Carl Jung?" And I think you yeah. said something about it. He, but he loved dream interpretation. Okay. Carl Jung, he's this, uh, I want to say Austrian. I don't know. He was sounds, some kind of sort. German, <laughs> sounds, Austrian uh, yeah. psychiatrist, psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had this idea of like the collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. So sort of like humans shared this like base of archetypes and themes and ideas mm-hmm. and yeah. things that are essential to every single person's life, right? Like yeah. death, survival, mm-hmm. uh, all, all those things. Do you think that there's like something other than just your internal experiences that are kind of like guiding those dreams? Like, do you think there's something that the universe, for a lack of a better term, like wants you to wants you to know do or yeah, wants you to wants know you to or know. wants you to yeah change about yourself? Do you think that? Do you think? Ooh. Do you give any credence to that, or is Ooh. it just for you? Is it just you know you're you could go mechanistic and be like, oh, it's just you know random neural firings doing this mm-hmm. while they're consolidating information in my head. But or do you do you put uh, thought into like, there's a bigger thing. There's a bigger. I I definitely have those thoughts, and flow. I always wonder like, and I always <laughs> I always wonder. Yeah, there there could be, there very well could be. But I think, for me, I think it's more your internal experiences, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what drives your dreams, mm-hmm. dreams more. Right. Yeah. Um. But I, it's not like I haven't had those thoughts, and I'm wondering like, why did I have that dream now? It's just, it's just, is there some higher? You ever had a dream wow. where you predict the future? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, and that's where I question it, and that's, that's where I question it, right? Mm-hmm. But, or at least a dream, or like that feeling of deja vu in real life, mm-hmm. where you're like, I've done this before. But I think a lot of times that's like you've dreamt about it before yeah like a very similar exactly. scenario and then your brain's like you've been here before exactly yeah um, yeah Dreams. that's where that's where that comes that's definitely where that comes from for mm. me yeah interesting where what's your uh thing you've told me before what's your like dream posting like after you dream post do your um mm-hmm. masters and mm-hmm. you've done this you know two three year project yeah what is your what's your life what's my looking goal? like ideal my life, life ideal goal. life um Getting yeah. a chance where I can get a job where I can do field work mm-hmm. um, and do research a little, you know, a little bit. And that kind of leads me down to the path of, you know, being a professor, like a PhD. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, I could, the ideal, the ideal thing for me is, you know, I've, I've just started getting into teaching students. Um, and mm. I've always known that I've always wanted to do that because it's just whenever I, I, I've in undergrad when I started, you know, studying with my friends and like started, you know, like helping people out, it gives me so much joy mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes me really, really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ideal thing for me is to have a job or to be a researcher where I can teach my own course and like, you know, teach something different mm-hmm. than from the norm. Teach something about animal behavior that's different from the you know the way that it's usually taught hmm. in in class because the way that i learned about animal behavior the class that i took in undergrad it made animal behavior boring mm. which it should never be right so my goal is to kind of you know 
Bring Be the nature reason. to the student. <laughs> Open up the doors. What is that? It's a coyote. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to understand <laughs> animal behavior today. Uh, sorry, um, I just no. envisioned yeah. you like having a bunch of animals and just like let loose on random undergrads and being like, nature, bitch. Nature? Look at everyone take notes. What's happening? <laughs> Predator prey. Like what, what, what does that entail? Like looking, you know, like teaching something out of the norm or teaching animal behavior in a way that's out of the norm or I mean, that entails, that entails seeing, this is what, this is actually what I really, this is something that I really wanted to talk about actually. Like, you know, humans, when they study animal behavior, they kind of, they've always tried to kind of compare like humans like animals back to humans mm, right and right. there's a book by this animal behaviorist carl safina um it's called beyond words what animals think and feel hmm. um he's a major proponent of the thought that we shouldn't see animals as you know comparing them back to humans mm. we should see animals as themselves and asking them you know who they are as opposed as opposed to you know Comparing it always back, co- comparing it always back to humans, right. because you know there are a lot of processes and like you know there's there's been evidence to show that you know animals can show a whole wide range of emotions, mm. empathy, sympathy, you know, grief, um, and if we're always comparing them back to ourselves, then you know it's kind of hard to you know see or you know, you know, characterize animals as they truly are, mm-hmm. right? And this, this goes back to the beginning of our conversation where we can't know everything about animals because right. we're not them. Right. Yeah. But if we start to have a different thought process and see them as who they are, mm. I think it's a great way to kind of, you know, get people interested in animal, in animal behavior because there's, there's always a disconnect between like, you know, these animals aren't us, mm. right? We're superior. We right. shouldn't have those thoughts. Right. You know, we come from those animals. We're derived from those animals. And right. we're all derived from a common ancestor at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We, animals have the same processes that we do. We right. just have it at a much more complex yeah. scale. Right. Right? Right. So I think, you know, if, if it's, it's, it's about changing the mindset mm-hmm. of looking at animal behavior. And I think if we, if we do that, that's, you know, that's a great step and mm. changing people's perceptions of animal behavior. Um, and that's something that I would want to teach mm-hmm. <laughs> to students, right? Cool. And that, you know, I don't know everything about this right now, right? That's my journey cool. in learning more about animal behavior um, and then trying to teach these to students. So I think I think my my end goal, um, coming back to your, your question, like where do, where do you, mm-hmm. where I see myself, is being a researcher. Mm-hmm. having a PhD and working towards that no matter how long it takes mm-hmm. and um, really you know enjoying really still exploring some of the questions I have about uh, animals but mm-hmm. also teaching these to, to students and getting them excited about it too nice um, so there's there's a lot of work I need to do on my end I you know I'm very I still haven't I'm still not where I want to be mm-hmm. um, in my who research is, career right now. Huh? <laughs> who is? Who is? <laughs> who is? Just but in you general. Know, yeah, in general. But that's, um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's my that's my view. That's um, your pull. That's my yeah. That's my path. Cool. Um, 
what would be a way for like how would we shift from our kind of it's very hard to shift from our human bias it's it is very hard and that's such it's it's (laughs) something that i will have to you know figure out and think about way more on Mm -hmm. my journey and trying to communicate this to people yeah um like would it be just highlighting just like you know the incredible you know whatever behavior it is just like Mm -hmm. understanding that all of these things have this like wisdom or yeah underlying yeah you know i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) that like is is special and like no, no matter if it's bees moving whatever bees do exactly <laughs> yeah that you could break down and be like oh it's just like simple bees yeah. doing bee shit yeah exactly it's something no. that you could actually appreciate i guess yeah. is the way to say yeah. it and yeah i mean it's it's all about change it's, it's changing the you know, changing mindset. perspective it's changing perspective yeah and if you can do it a little it's it's not it's something that will be gradual right no doubt yeah you know it has to occur in little steps right right but if you can do that it you can discover i feel like you can discover more about animals that way yeah um and yeah because there's there's been cases where you know you know and talking about animals showing grief right there's been cases where you know there's 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 these two chimps chimps that will you know kind of oh not grief but like there's there's you know behaviors that we ask them like why are they doing this Mm. like and we try to think of all the mechanistic approaches of why are they doing this right and maybe they're just doing it for a simple reason. Mm. <laughs> There's a case of like a chimp who just stares off to the sunset for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Researcher, researchers are observing like, why is it doing that? Mm. Is it like trying to triangulate the position of the sun to figure <laughs> out its food? Right. That's where these. That's where it's just it gets so muddled and like uh, complicated, right? Right. Maybe maybe they're just looking at the sun because they like looking at the sun. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they show some of the characteristics that we like. We have and again. That's you know comparing this back to humans, yeah. but. At the same time, if you see them as who they are and really look mm. at their personality as individuals rather than collect, you know, grouping them collectively, yeah, you can discover more about animals mm. that way. Yeah, and yeah. I guess I, I I think I explained a lot better, you know, here like that those the last few things I said mm-hmm. I definitely explained a lot better. But you know that's that's where that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that makes yeah that makes a lot of sense. I mean. Yeah, I think it's hard. Again, it's hard to just remove that that bias from where, it is, whatever, wherever you it are. It is so hard. But I think what you said earlier about like how we are like the eventual, you know, we are like an amalgamation of all of these organisms mm-hmm. that have kind of like, you know, our liver is pretty similar to like a sheep's liver mm-hmm. or like a our heart's very similar to like a mouse's heart. Like all of these mm-hmm. things where like, you know, it's all evolution is this giant tree branch where it's kind mm-hmm. of it's, you know things are conserved and things exactly. change and yep. across time but appreciating the fact that we are so similar and that we wouldn't be here if it weren't, if it weren't for, for this past yeah millions of years right. of of evolution right. creating all these incredible yeah. beings and animals yeah. i think maybe I, that's a a good place to start. that's a good place to start right. exactly yeah. and i you know that that book that i i, I recommended shout out to him that guy because he's that book is amazing mm-hmm. and i never really appreciated it until maybe a year year and a half ago where mm-hmm. i actually finished the book after getting it mm-hmm. in like 2015 <laughs> right <laughs> i was like those, oh, it's one of those I but then it's it's a book that i you know 
I still want to read it over and over again because mm. it's just there's so many different behaviors that he describes to him like you know why why does this happen mm. right mm. and there's so many nuances in the book that I still want to read and fully understand um so it's yeah I mean that's 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 where a lot of my that's where a lot of my passion comes mm-hmm. for for studying animal behavior. Cool, that's a great um, basis for it. I think. Yeah, uh, I think we'll well maybe we'll have some time. What is uh, animal behavior that if you if you had to recommend something to look up on YouTube or just to get <laughs> excited or get like excited you know about? curious? Yeah, like what's something that the lay person, the average person the can look up person. on YouTube that they should watch. Is it like, are you into like the animal attacks? <laughs> <laughs> are you more into like the, you know, collective, like, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many scenes and, mm-hmm. um, you know, honestly, just recently, um, watching my octopus teacher, mm. that, Honestly, that characterizes a lot of why I love animal behavior. Wow, cool. So, um, for people who like don't know, it's 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 this South African uh, uh, wildlife photo- or cameraman who starts diving in the the intertidal um, waters of South Africa, and he dives every day, and he sees and meets this octopus, mm-hmm. and they build a relation they basically build like a re- like a very trust trusting relationship mm-hmm. between the two and the diver always comes back every day and visits the octopus for a year a year and a half and they develop this kind of bond mm-hmm. right um and it just just shows the power of just um i guess human animal interactions mm, yeah um and uh, i mean octopus are very very smart creatures right. i think if one of the they're the smartest invertebrate for sure right if not one of the smartest creatures um or organisms in in Mm. in in the animal kingdom i have a fun fact about octopuses yeah we can go back yeah but (laughs) the human brain they've mapped has around like 86 billion neurons Mm -hmm. and there's like the standard octopus one of the more standard octopus yeah Octopuses? Octopi? Octopi, I think. Octopi. Octopuses, octopi. Uh, yeah, it's octopi, I think. Okay. Uh, they have 70 billion neurons distributed throughout their body, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we just have it in our brain and spinal cord. Yep. They have it throughout everywhere. And particularly in their tentacles. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which is nuts. So, like, yeah. imagine being basically as smart as us, but the way you interact with the world is totally, totally <laughs> alienly different, right? <laughs> Like having, but yeah, so fun yeah. fact. So Funny. <laughs> yeah. that, that'll show you how small, that like makes me think twice about eating octopus every time I'm like, I should. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, going back to my octopus teacher and, and like how, how it sort of. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. Yeah. Um, I, the, the visuals are amazing. The cinematography is amazing. The story is, you know, the way that they, you know, build up the story mm. it's 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 very good and and, mm-hmm. and if anybody who's interested in animal behavior or at least you know you know the classic bbc documentaries mm-hmm. but this is this is 
you know, BBC and, you know, David Attenborough highlights many very, very cool behaviors. Right. For sure. But I feel like my Arctos teacher does a much better job of being, like, very intimate mm. and actually showcasing this animal. Yeah. Showcasing this animal behavior. It's pretty unique, just a human and an octopus yeah. <laughs> becoming exactly, friends. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Basically. Wow. Um, and it changes your perspectives on, you know, I guess the animal world. Yeah. Um, Do you so, think there's things we can learn from animals? Yeah. Like that we can kind of like recalibrate our system with. I maybe? think so. I think yeah. so. I, I, I have, I, I would, I have to think about examples. I can, uh, certain examples, but like, um, we can definitely learn yeah. from animals. It's that like cooperation. It's, yeah, it's strange. When I look at the animal kingdom, like there's this weird degree of like savagery, right? And, mm-hmm. and like, uh, eat, eat or be eaten, kill or be killed. Yep. Nature, rule mm-hmm. of nature. Yeah. But then there's also these like really odd like cooperative mm-hmm. systems and yep. how everything, like a forest or whatever, there's symbiosis is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost makes me realize like I feel like humans, we're missing part of the puzzle. Like we kind of got the like kill or be killed part down. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but I, I mean, we do kind of have the like, you know cooperation Mm -hmm. sort of down otherwise we wouldn't be able to build shit and yeah have houses and all this but there's more to go there like you're saying and it it goes all the way back to your master's project of Mm -hmm. like making people care about being sustainable and making Mm -hmm. people realize that it is possible to have both things of like a prosperous society and yeah you know sustainable world Mm -hmm. that's not on fire yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh awesome dude well we're coming to like hour 20 hour 15 okay um i usually end similar way okay so if you have any other like closing remarks a statement a word a a phrase a quote whatever it is it can literally be anything yeah um the floor is yours like if you have a word well just listening to your other podcasts i like kind of the just the one word okay and the one word for me is hope. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Alrighty. Thank you very much, Gore. Yeah, of course. Oh, I love no this. Wins. Yeah, this was just really great. Until next time. See these questions I got on my mind. I'm asking them all the time. Time like traveling through the universe. I'm scrambling these black holes. How does time flow? If I dropped in one, where would I go? Would I come 